You know, normally when we open up these episodes, there's a clip of the episode that plays and then the theme song and then we get into the meat of the episode. But today we wanted to do things a little bit differently because about 20 minutes before we went to start recording this episode, the guilty verdicts were handed down in the case of Derek Chauvin, the man who murdered George Floyd. Now, if you're a person of color and you want to skip ahead to the episode itself, you can fast forward about one minute and we'll play the intro and be into the regular show. But otherwise, I want to read an excerpt from an email that Desiree Attaway sent out just a few minutes ago. I found it really powerful, so I want to share it with you. And then we'll have a moment of silence for all the Black lives that have been lost. And then we'll get into the episode. Desiree writes, George Floyd should be alive. This is what I know to be true. He should be alive. Nine minutes, 29 seconds. His family won't get him back. His daughter will still grow up without her father. A guilty verdict will not change centuries of violence. It won't stop police from murdering black people. I will still be filled with fear every time I drive. Either we declare, finally, that black lives matter and injustice can't continue, or we continue on as we are, as we have always been. Either we do the work and create a world where George Floyd would have never been murdered or we will ultimately all be destroyed. Did his life matter? I went back to watch some videos of the devastation and fallout from this summer following George Floyd's murder to remind myself what is at stake. Last summer, we grieved together. We marched together. We took the streets together. We asked the question, will black lives ever matter in this country? Black lives do matter. I feared a guilty verdict wouldn't be reached. The system has failed us over and over again. But I am just as afraid that this guilty verdict will lead many to thinking we no longer have to confront the epidemic of police violence in America. The police have already killed 300 people in 2021. Y'all just didn't see the videos. When policing doesn't work for black folks, then policing doesn't work for anybody. A guilty verdict doesn't change white supremacy. Does it ever end with justice? It hasn't yet, but one day it will. That's Desiree Attaway of the Attaway Group. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. It's been a big day. Yeah, big day. You and I were talking before we hit record. It, it's like, how do you transition into just a normal conversation about business stuff? But I think what comes up for me is business stuff is part of life. Yeah. And I think about our clients, many of whom are people of color. In fact, Keela, who you heard on the last episode, is a, a black woman, a very proud black woman, and an amazing black woman. And I can't help but think about her and all the other amazing people that we, we know and have had the opportunity to work with. And I ask myself, how can we continue to do better? And how can we continue to use our business as a way to do better? Yeah, it's a really good question and a really powerful one, too, because 
as entrepreneurs, it's not just us. We uh-huh. don't just have us to to lean on us as a platform. We've got the business and that can be really powerful in its own right. Uh-huh. So what we want to do with this episode is we want to be able to go back to that conversation that we had with Keela that you heard last week or five minutes ago, depending on when you listen to that episode. And we wanted to dig into it a little bit to really pull out some of the lessons that Keela talked about in order to help apply it to a broader set of businesses. And I think it's important even and maybe even especially in the context of what we're talking about today that we do this because ultimately what Keela talked about so powerfully was about being able to use your business as a vehicle to do the kind of work that you want to be doing and have the kind of impact and relationships that you want to be having, whether that's with clients or with your team members. It's part of why I love the work that we do is so much of what happens and the things we talk about with our audience and with our clients can be so extensible and Mm -hmm. apply in so many different situations. Yeah. So I'm curious, Jill, as you reflect on the conversation and and we've had a little bit of a, a debrief before the debrief, if you will, what were some of the key lessons or key messages that you heard that Keila shared that you really want to pull out and and talk about? Give me like one or two that we can start with. There's two really key pieces here for me that I talk about actually with a lot of our clients and with in throughout a lot of different industries. And the first one is creating partnerships with clients. This whole idea of you have to do your part too. It's not just a, what's the old phraseology? It takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. Right? There's more than just us involved in this picture. We need you on board. We need you to do the work. We need all of those things as well. And then the other one is this idea that you don't have to step in amongst, for example, your team to fix everything. You uh-huh. don't have to be the one that has to do all of the reviews. You don't have to be the one that has to do all of the coordination. One of our clients calls it being an air traffic controller. Uh-huh. I think we actually used that phraseology in season one. We were talking about being the air traffic controller. And this idea of taking that step back and asking yourself, how can I make my job and my department better so I can make the business better as a whole by not being in the middle of all the things? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. I think what's really interesting about both of those, and and this is partly the context that we set in terms of that conversation with Keila, was so many business owners are struggling because they feel like there's too many demands on them. There's too much time required of them, and the time that they have to spend is on things that they wouldn't want to you know, necessarily focus on. There's other things. I, I was talking with someone else the other day, and she said, maybe it was actually Keila, who who said essentially that it gets to the point where the stuff that you think you should love about your business is the stuff that you actually start to resent, like working with the mm-hmm. clients, taking those phone calls, answering emails, supporting your team, supporting your clients. It's like the stuff that you love is also the stuff that you resent because it feels like you don't have a choice to, to engage in it. And yeah. what I thought was really powerful about those two examples that you pulled out from our conversation with Keila 
was how Keela expressed that doing those two things really helped her and her team make better use of their time and to actually get freed up and be pulled out of the weeds. Creating partnership with the clients. It is so easy for us to think that the way we make things better for the client is by doing more work for them. And we've had this own conversation in our business about, is it possible to simplify and streamline things too much to actually streamline so much that it creates a detriment to the client experience? Where do you draw that line? Because it is so, I find it to be really subjective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about it in the context of our business because you know Keila's example was in a service business, right? Where it was by taking this information and doing it all for the clients. I think it was in the case of her, they weren't asking or requiring the clients to review the financials before they'd get on a call. And what Keila said is that when we actually put that responsibility back on the clients, the clients were coming to the calls more prepared, but they were also getting more out of it because they were able to spend their time on the calls, you know, doing more of the strategic work and the clients were actually learning. But like I said, we've been doing this on in our business from a coaching perspective. We have done so much work to simplify things and take work off of our client's plate that we've seen them not get as good of results. What are we doing to put some of that work back on their plate so that they do get better results? For me, there's this idea of the difference between the guiding hand and the leading hand. Okay. Right? Where tell me more. I'm thinking about where we started off about this time last year and how we had started to put together the client center for academy. Mm-hmm. And because it was fresh out and we were trying new things and everything was slightly still shifting and that kind of thing, we were guiding everyone through, but because it was still a little bit that we were finding our own way on how best to put it into practice, mm-hmm. we were very much guiding along with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were much right? more proactive about you know checking in, making sure that people had what they needed, that nothing was broken, that you know things were working. But I don't think it was just that. No, it wasn't. And one thing I noticed is you know we put in more guidelines, we put in more guideposts, we we structured the client center, we structured the whole program to be easy to understand that we didn't have to necessarily guide people step-by-step through the whole thing. We We, allowed for... We pretty much made it so that, I I used the analogy earlier today, it's like we put bumpers on the bowling lane. So like you really couldn't throw a gutter ball, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. That's self-sufficiency. But the self-reliance piece, right? That's taking those bumpers out and actually learning how to not hit the bumper in the first place. Yeah, it's like by putting in the bumpers, by putting in all of these guardrails and all these systems to make sure that the clients wouldn't get off track, email reminders and all of that kind of stuff, what we ended up doing was replacing the client's self-reliance by essentially teaching them that they could rely on us to keep them on track and keep them accountable. And then by extension, what I can see that creates is a difference in the energy in terms of how clients come to us looking for support because what that does is in the client's mind, it teaches them if I can't figure it out, then clearly there's a flaw, a problem, and they don't ask for help because they're used to the bumpers just being there rather than it being 
like a, a collaborative experience. We, we basically tried to take the failure, I use that term loosely in this sense here, out of the whole process. And that's mm-hmm. the thing, right? Evolution, everything, you learn by failing. Yeah. And what did we teach someone by taking away their opportunities to get it wrong? Especially when it comes to growing and scaling a business, what we ended up teaching them is don't get it wrong. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it wrong. When what we really need to be teaching is go get it wrong and then let us help you to figure Figure out how to adjust from there. Exactly, And that's what Kilo was talking about. Exactly, because it's the adjustment that's actually going to get you what you want and teach you what you need to know. So in Kilo's example, if she just goes through and does that looking at the reports for the client, if that's what she and her team do, the client never learns how to interpret it for themselves. And the fascinating thing too, right, and we thought, and so did Kila, with how they were doing it, we thought we were giving value to the client. But in actuality, what we were doing is we were actually disempowering them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were taking away the opportunity for them to actually have that valuable experience. And I think, you know, that's one of the things we talk about in, in Academy and in Leaders Institute both. We talk about the idea that there are obstacles And when you deliver a program or an experience or a service to your clients, everything that happens during that experience is an obstacle between where they are and where they want to be. And our job is to minimize obstacles. But the truth is, our job is to minimize obstacles so long as it doesn't negatively impact the outcome. And so there are necessary obstacles that maybe actually you need to put in place in Mm -hmm. order to get the clients the better result. And so I'd actually go so far as to say, to, to adjust and talk about the definition of minimize. There's a difference between minimize in the sense of remove mm. and minimize in the sense of make completable but still challenging. Because if it's too easy, if it's not challenging, no growth happens. Growth happens when we are challenged and when we have to move beyond where we are. And if you're a coach or a service provider and you don't actually care about creating that kind of transformation in your clients, which there are some who are not focused on that, and that's fine. We're talking about people who are more focused on skill building, people who are more focused on transactional or actionable, tactical type of things, then that's fine. But if you want to be working with your clients at that deeper level, partnering with them, collaborating with them, have this you know kind of co-creative strategic partnership, then partnership requires that you allow your clients to be active as partners. And even at that, like even for some of those service-based industries, you still want to have that challenge aspect in place. You still want to have that quote unquote struggle Mm. together in order for you not only to build the relationship, but for them to have buy-in on the process. Is it more important that the client never struggle or is it more important that the client learn that you are there for them when they struggle? Exactly. And it's not and just I, with the, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying putting in false struggle. No. Don't do that. <laughs> Although, I mean, there are, there are places where you want to create opportunities for people to see where they will struggle as a way of yes. self-evaluating. And, and that's where I was going to go next, which is that we've been talking about this in the context of clients, but the same happens with 
team. And this was something else that Keela talked about that you called out, which is we think that we can dive in there and make life better and easier for our team by going in and doing this or setting things up this way or answering this question. And what Keela said that was so powerful in the last episode was it was about getting the team to be able to sort things out among themselves and getting the team members to ask the question, how can I do better so that the business as a whole gets better? Rather than Keela saying, here's how you do your job better, each team member now is saying, how can I make my job better so that the business as a whole gets better? Yeah, exactly. And one thing I want to highlight here, and you might have heard me mention it in last season, is my mentality behind being a manager and being a leader of a team. And and you might, if you heard it, you probably are going, but we were just talking about obstacles and minimizing, but not removing them and that kind of thing. So let me just tell you what that kind of mindset is of a leader for me. And then I'll talk about why it's interesting in in that dichotomy there. Mm -hmm. But for me, one of the biggest things, the main reason that I exist as a leader in a business is to remove obstacles that are preventing my people, my employees, my team members, my colleagues from doing their best work. Mm -hmm. Now, not five minutes ago, I had just said, it's not about removing obstacles. Mm -hmm. But there's a key piece in there. And that piece is that my job is to remove obstacles that are preventing them from doing their best work. That is such a good distinction because how many times do we perceive an obstacle, but the process of getting through or across or over top of or around that obstacle will actually do more to help the team member do their best work. And I I don't want to spoilers what's coming up on an upcoming episode too much, but we're going to have a conversation in in an upcoming episode with another one of our clients who gave the example that, you know, they were doing reviews of each other's work and they had this great idea that we're going to get them to review each other's work. And, you know, that way she didn't have to review it. Great solution. But what happened is that that created an obstacle which prevented them from doing their best work, which would be to actually just ask each other questions instead of waiting for the review to figure out what had gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. And don't get me wrong, there's great times for review, but yeah, that one there is a great example of giving that space and giving them that empowerment to then say, hey, I just need to ask you a clarifying question. Mm -hmm. Can you just answer this straight out for me? Way easier. No mm-hmm. bottlenecks, no nothing. Can you think of a time when there would be an obstacle that was facing a team member that it was better to not remove that obstacle as the manager? You saw the obstacle, maybe the team ev- member even brought that obstacle to you, and it was better for you and the business and the team member to not remove it, but instead to empower them to remove it for themselves. Yeah, actually a really great example from my previous role, but it applies to all variations of team and leadership. And that's, I had a team member, he was kind of, you could almost consider him my second in command type person. And it was his 
job to manage and maintain and plan the upgradings of the big SaaS-based system that we were using yeah. in the particular uh, enterprise. Yeah, so and for context, the team was responsible for the software with tens of thousands of users. And as we all know, when the software vendor says there's an upgrade, sometimes <laughs> that's a little bit of a more involved process. Anyone who's updated WordPress plugins can imagine doing that on a much larger scale and how many potential headaches there are, thus why you need someone to manage that process. Yeah, exactly. And I remember one of the very first times that we had started putting this in place, basically after I had come in, I had kind of elevated him into this position. And he brought to me a project plan of how to go about, it was one of his very first attempts about how to go about rolling out this. And it was a major point upgrade. We're not talking about one small little minor point upgrade. Yeah, not just a plug-in just, upgrade, but yeah. upgrading WordPress and all the other stuff and like times a billion. Yeah, exactly. And he's, okay, so here's the plan. And we went through it. And it was, it had some good bones to it, but you could tell that it wasn't fully fleshed out, that he hadn't thought about all of the different sides of the coin. He hadn't, in this case, most of his focus, rightly so at the time, had been on the impact and what needed to happen from our internal team perspective. But very little focus had been on what about all of our clients? What about all of our customers, all of our users? How is that going to fit in? And asking those questions. And so, you know, I could have gone in and quote unquote, removed the obstacle by taking his plan and then fleshing it out myself. You could have fixed it. Quote unquote, yes, exactly. <laughs> but what I did instead is we sat down for a few minutes and I started asking him questions. Mm -hmm. Basically, I asked him, I said, okay, pretend I'm you, I'm giving you this here, and you're the end user. And I started asking him questions about what does he know about this situation? Mm -hmm. And basically poking holes. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you could see the light bulb go on for him. Mm -hmm. And so the, the response after that is I'm like, okay, so take that thought process, go and work it out, mm -hmm. and come back to me with your next draft. And we'll go from there. And we actually did that a couple times. Mm -hmm. And what I did, I didn't remove the obstacle. I basically showed him the track that he needed to follow to get over the mountain yeah. and let him follow the path. It's not that you let him go with the plan as is and fail, right? Because yes. there are consequences. And I hear this so often with our clients and they're thinking about training new team members or onboarding new team members and they don't want to hold them by the hand on the project but they think that the alternative is just to let the team member loose directly on client files <laughs> and to be able to have fun good luck and hope you don't burn yeah. the place down on your way out and far left versus far right <laughs> exactly <laughs> And to give a practical example of how we do this within our own business, one of the things that we do when we're bringing in someone who's going to be client facing is yes, we provide them with some training, some context, some background. But before we let them loose on active real-time client engagement, what we do is we walk them through or have them go through actually 
past client engagements. So say, for example, that we're needing someone who's going to review the submissions that a client makes in Academy, and we want to be able to give good feedback. Before we let a new team member loose on, hey, new Academy cohort, go and give them feedback on everything. What we would do is instead we would have them work on some previous Academy submissions, have them go through and see what do they pick out. Then they can compare what they picked out to what we had actually shared as feedback for that client. That creates a discussion. Did you pick out the same things as us? Did you miss some things? Are there things that you did better than we did? Are there some things that maybe we did better than you did? And it creates the situation where we're not just throwing the team member to the quote unquote wolves, but we're providing an environment where it's safe for them to fail so that they learn to overcome those obstacles rather than us just taking them off the plate entirely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about these aspects and these are pieces that I had pulled out from our conversation with Keela last week. But I'm curious, what about for you? Like, what were some of the things that stood out for you from the conversation we had? You know, there was really one theme that jumped out at me from Keela and from the conversation was her really being willing to step into leadership with her team and with her clients. You know, she mentioned, I wrote down the quote because I thought it was brilliant. Clients don't get to, quote unquote, have an emergency on this random Tuesday, right? And, And the idea there was you don't get to just call us with an emergency because the truth is there's not really anything that's gonna require us to drop everything and help you. Like even if you get audited by the IRS, you don't need my help within 30 seconds of you getting that message from the IRS or the CRA, right? You don't get to have an emergency and dictate our schedule to us. And even on the level of what services they were providing, it was really for Keela about saying, this is the service that we provide. And I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I was looking for someone that we could refer and someone was looking for an accountant and they had a particular challenge and I you know went to Keila and said hey this is a great person they're having this challenge is this something that you can help with and she came back and said actually no if you had asked me three weeks ago or three months ago the answer (laughs) might have been yes but the truth is we're not best equipped to handle that and so let me go and see if I have someone else to refer to and what I really appreciated about that and you know the whole tenor of the conversation was Keela expressing that if she doesn't prioritize the boundaries for herself and for her team with clients, then how can she expect her team to feel comfortable doing the same to the point where Keela recognized that, you know, for her team and for herself, frankly, to feel comfortable taking time off, she needed to model that and put in place the cultural practice of tax time is done, we're closed for two weeks. And that means we're closed for two weeks. That was really what jumped out at me of the conversation was the importance of being willing to take that leadership role to be able to put those boundaries in place and to be able to say, this is what we do, this is how we do it, and we are confident enough in that because if you don't have that confidence, you say yes to all the things and that's ultimately what sucks your time away. 
And just one final thing here. This is the other thing that I tend to find that kind of cuts out this idea of we're so like for Kila, we're accountants. We have to do all the accountant things, mm-hmm. right? No, you don't. You can specialize in a certain area. You can specialize as being just a virtual CFO and tax preparing company. You can specialize in being simple bookkeeping. You can specialize, not that bookkeeping is simple, but you get the idea. <laughs> you can specialize in being a copywriter for Facebook posts mm-hmm. versus LinkedIn posts. Like you can be specialized. You mm-hmm. don't have to be everything, even just within your industry. Yeah. And again, you here, it doesn't mean you personally. It means both you as a business, you as a team, and then what your personal role is within that. And it's when you start to focus that you can truly start to get your time back. So really, there's three things that we pulled out of that conversation. The, The first part that we talked about was really looking at this co-creative, collaborative engagement and relationship with clients so that we are able to take the clients through an experience which is not obstacle-free, but which has the right obstacles to be able to get them to the results that they want. And that's where it leads into this idea of we don't have to be in the middle of mm-hmm. it all. We don't have to do that again, that difference between leading versus guiding. We don't have mm-hmm. to be the one being the air traffic controller in order for it to all happen. With regard to the clients, which was the first point, and the second point was with regard to the team, same thing. We don't yeah. need to be getting in there with the team to make things happen. We can and maybe should be focused on instead finding ways to allow the team to sort things out among themselves so that together they can figure out how to make the client and the business experience better, which then of course leads into the third thing, which is neither of number one or number two work if you're not willing to put those constraints in place and to say, this is what we do, how we do it, and we are willing to say no to everything and anything that falls outside of that. Yeah, exactly. And we're willing to not only say no to everything and anything that falls outside of that, we're willing to lead by example. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's our debrief of last episode. Next episode, we're going to transition from talking about time and the challenges that time can present for so many online business owners. And we're going to talk about the thing about team, which is all the challenges that people have in terms of, I hired all these people. Why are they not making my life easier? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the little whispering voice in the back of the peanut gallery goes, it all comes down to delegation. But it doesn't. And we'll talk more about that on the next episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. We'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast. Hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. 
Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.